0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkham.com Norwich City podcast also coming to you in association with Future Radio 107.8 FM. Dave Freezer and Connor Southwell here and as you can see we are joined by Norwich City Royalty, the one and only Jeremy Goss. Gossie, how are you doing? It looks like it's uh, quite warm where you are at the moment.
1: Hello Dave, Connor, thanks for the, uh, for the invitation uh, onto the show. Pleased to accept and be here today. Yeah, I'm in the uh... I'm in a hotel in Norwich and it's incredibly warm here. So I'm doing some, um, uh, dinner speaking things, which is wonderful. Archway events, Roger day, and the sporting lunches is a uh, really good opportunity for me and others. So, um, I'm here most of this week in a very warm, very warm room. You with Gunny and Robbie. Yeah. Oh, you beat me to it. There you go. Yeah. Yes, I am. I am with the, uh, my two old sparring partners way back in the early nineties. Uh, we, we got fond memories. We've had uh, wonderful conversations already amongst uh, business groups, and it's been well worth it. They're they're excellent events, and we've brought back some good memories. Top stuff. Well, it's been
0: a a busy old week. Um, I'll say at the the top of the show, obviously, there's the BK8 sponsorship deal, uh, that controversy. We're going to leave that until the end of the podcast because, A, we're Worried that that might date this uh, podcast quite quite quickly because we're expecting there to be some form of update, or we're, we're hoping for there to be some form of update. But of course, a lot has been said about that already, and we, we really want to focus on the football because in amongst all this has been Norwich's club record sale, Emmy Buendy are going for an initial thirty three million. So Connor, just kick us off a bit on on that exit with with Emmy. The, we we all know the finances at this point, but um, it really seems to have stirred the emotions, is not it?
2: Yeah, I think there's always that uh, frustration, isn't there, emotions when, when a player leaves, particularly one that is so emotionally attached to the supporters and one they're so fond of, um, particularly an attacking player. I think that's that's fairly common as well. And it's one that's obviously happened pretty quickly into the window. I mean, as we record, we're the window technically opens officially tomorrow. So this is a, a deal where the framework's been put in place very early. I think we, everyone else probably expected it to rumble on and go deep into the window and for it maybe not necessarily to be Aston Villa, maybe to be uh, Villa or a massive club as we'll get into, but maybe someone who had European football to offer. And and maybe there's that element of, in in the disappointment as well, that he hasn't gone to perhaps uh, an elite club in terms of challenging for titles and, and that sort of thing. But, but yeah, in terms of the financials, I think it's reflective of, of the market we're, we're currently in, isn't it? It's, it's a deflated market because of the impact of, of coronavirus. More clubs need money and and obviously fewer clubs have it. So naturally, this creates a, a deflation in there. And, and, and that is probably why we're seeing 33 million as opposed to maybe an inflated figure that we'd have seen pre-pandemic. So all in all, probably the positive is that they've managed to get it done early because I think if it would have rumbled on, throughout the summer and through pre-season and then then he reports to pre-season training and there's all this speculation and uncertainty then sometimes that can be a bit more dangerous um so the fact Norwich now know what they're going to have in terms of spend and the fact that I mean Buendia probably knows what he's going to do as well is probably a good thing although you have to say losing your best player before a Premier League campaign is is always going to raise question marks amongst the supporters I think Hmm. Well, Gossi, as a starting point, I mean, you, you've been like us, you've been fortunate to be a, a,
0: a few of the games this season, haven't you? And what, how impressed were you by the way that Emmy kicked on in terms of adding that goal output to a, what was already brilliant creatively?
1: He's been an exciting player for Norwich. I think he's he's matured and developed very well under the coaching staff, uh, the manager and others surrounding him um, at the Lotus Training Centre and at Deep Carroll Road. This isn't just uh, the manager getting the best out of a player. It's a lot of individuals should take real credit for the development of this of, of Emmy. And Emmy's responded magnificently well. You've got to remember how harsh it was in, in terms of how we exited the Premier League. I, I keep saying we, we did leave with 21 points and our tails between our legs. And it seemed that way in that verdict for many other neutral fans, too. There wasn't much fight at the end uh, when Project Restart occurred. We went on, on a losing streak, which was uh, um, not good and not attractive and not wanted. Uh, Emmy has a year in that Premier League experience. He's also won two championships as well in his short time here. So he has developed what well, he'd have learned a lot in the Premier League. But, but coming to the start of last season, the pressure was really on the football club as a whole and and most definitely the players to bounce back immediately and do it in the manner in which they have done it has been really impressive and it is a good sign to others of the character of the individual players and the mentality of the individual players who have gone out and performed. Uh, Given the exceptional circumstances in which we left and exited Premier League, there, there, there was huge pressure and most certainly on the senior players of the football club, the Pukis and the Krulls of the world. Uh, and indeed, Emmy, to a certain degree, there was pressure, extra pressure to perform. And I think he's responded well to that pressure and he's delivered in the vast majority of games that he's played this season. And that's reflective in the goals that he's scored and is the assists uh, and in these shots on target. But his overall contribution has been exceptional and looking very fortunately uh, from different views at Carroll Road, sometimes just in the Barclay, and sometimes at the gantry, um, the, doing, doing my stuff at Carroll Road uh, last season, one of the very few lucky ones available or, or allowed to watch the game. I saw a really confident display, a determined display of an exciting, exceptional footballer. And I'm so pleased that he and others have game promotion back in the Premier League, because they most definitely deserved it.
0: As we re- record, um, we are Tuesday afternoon, so um, Buendia could play in Colombia for Argentina overnight. That's, mi- well, 12, 12 a.m. Wednesday UK time. And then Villa have said that their plan is to complete the medical once he's out of the sort of biosecure bubble of, of Argentina. So we're expecting things to be confirmed maybe Wednesday or, or Thursday. Um to come back to you start with Gossie, but what, what what do you make of Villa being the club that he's gone to? That that seems to have drawn quite a mixed reaction from, from the Norwich fans. I think some are still kind of in that mindset that Villa are kind of a, a, an equal rival of Norwich because they came up in the same season in 2019 and I suppose when Paul Lambert went there when they were in a bit of trouble really financially. But but Villa as a club seems to have really kicked on in recent years. I mean, they they only finished 12 points short of the top four last year. So do you see it as a, a significant enough step up for Emmy that, that that Norwich fans don't need to get sort of too wound up by it?
1: No, I don't think Norwich fans get wound up about anything, really. It's unfortunate that one of your best players is leaving the football club. But you're in the shop window every single game that you play, all the time. Everybody is for sale, um, provided that there's someone watching you who wants to purchase you and, and wants you in their team. Then, Effectively, everyone is up for sale. So no surprise that he's attracted interest. And certainly no surprise to me he's gone to a club such as Villa, who are a growing club. I think Dean Smith, the way he's... Come in since 2018 has developed his squad very gradually and very quietly and methodically with the right players at the right age with the right experience and he's always said that the people he wants to bring in he needs to have them to be premier league experienced players which me is of uh, over a period of a year he brought ollie watkins in from from brentford and a bit of a, a, a shock but you know, look how he's developing there. And he's got James Ward-Prowse as a target, another target, along with Emmy from Southampton. So these kind of midfield players, it seems to be the guys that he's looking at. The stature of the club is irrelevant. I think they did incredibly well last year, struggled the year before. But it's a growing club with an adventurous manager with great vision. And he's building a squad of players to eventually replace the star player in his side. And it seems to me, with the inclusion of Emmy and the sights on James Ward-Prowse, that he's presuming that Jack, if he does have a a very good Euros, will be off uh, because he will be in a bigger shop window attracting bigger clubs with bigger money. So I think the signs are, for me personally, that Jack Grealish could be off and it's Dan Smith's way of preparing the next star midfielder to take his place. Because one thing's for sure in my mind, Grealish and Emmy are going to struggle to play together in the same team. Grealish has got that freedom amongst the team in the, in the side. He can roam all over the pitch and the players get the ball and give it to him. Well, that's exactly what Emmy does and you can't have two players doing that. And Emi certainly wouldn't want to be structured or static out wide, for example, in a Villa side with Jack Grealish roaming, because he's not showing his true class or attributes by by being so 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 static. So I I I think it's, we because all know to, what the fans are going to be yeah. like; they'll welcome him with open arms. But of course, he's got to produce.
0: Absolutely, I mean, I mean, that's a very good point. Because Grealish is given that free role, isn't he? He wanders all, all around. Room for the him. Prison. Oh, I think the I think the signal's just catching up a little bit there. Um, right, Connor, let's let's bounce over to y- yourself then. Um, with Villa, um, yes, at I mean, the end of the day, well, with this situation, the only other club who were interested was Arsenal, wasn't it? And they were the only other team who had made any offers, but Villa have outbid them, which em- emphasises how strong they are financially. But I think the other thing for me is that my move into Villa, um given what Gossi has also said there about Grealish, he should be playing there. He should be going to a club where it's not like a Manchester City, where he is not guaranteed of game time.
2: Yeah, and, and as Gossi rightly says there as well, it's a club that's growing. And, and I don't think, certainly if you look at Arsenal from an external perspective, you get the same kind of vision or the same kind of plan. And for a player, uh, and certainly a player who has planned his journey um, through Norwich and 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 used it as kind of a ladder, I think you do see this... Kind of perception that and, and I guess you can kind of use Madison as a good example to go to a club that maybe isn 't currently inside that top six but or top six but has ambitions of doing so and uh, and therefore as as Gossie said, you can then grow and be a part of that and and form yourself in the culture as it moves forward and I think that's that 's maybe the the difference and maybe why the reason beyond or behind kind of the, the numbers and the finances involved, why he maybe has chosen or, or pushed to go to Aston Villa over Arsenal. There's obviously the, the Emmy Martinez um, side of things as well. He's currently on Argentina duty with him. They share an agent. I don't think that's a, a coincidence. The two will have had a conversation about life at Villa Park. So, yeah, I, th- I think there is kind of a perception that it is isn't a, a massive step up. I think you have to realise that actually... The stadium playing in front of 50,000 people every week, that's very attractive. Um, the way the club operates, I think, is is very attractive as well. As Gossi says, some wonderful individual players there. They're clearly going to have a big summer in terms of the players they're targeting and By all accounts, they've put him at the top of their shopping list, which is always as a player to feel wanted by a club is is sometimes um, really important. So I think when you, you go through all of those boxes, you can understand why at this moment in time and where Arsenal and Villa currently are, why he's maybe edged towards Villa instead of Arsenal.
0: Now, Gossi, I'd imagine you've got this question a few times. In terms of where does where does Buendia rank in the Norwich City uh, sort of all time list of great players? You were part of that golden generation. You played with the very best who have ever represented Norwich City. So, I think um, for me, that the part of this conversation is that for me, he can't be considered. Uh, in the conversation for the best Norwich City player, because he wasn't in the UEFA Cup, he wasn't chasing the Premier League title. He never hit those heights. But if we just keep it to sort of technical ability and how uh, skillful he was, do you think he is up there with the best to have ever represented the club, or is that a, a step too far?
1: Uh, Dave Connor, there's a bit of an audio problem here. I'm so sorry that if um, if I don't answer the, the 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 question correctly, because I'm I do struggle to hear you at the moment. I believe he was asking a question of. Does he rate amongst the, the very best that's ever played for the football club? He's certainly got to be up there. I mean, Madison's proven uh, a Premier League footballer in the championship when he did play and represent Norwich. There was obvious signs that he could cope with um, a higher standard of play. And we've seen others who, who, have, who have made that move. Jamal has, has made that move naturally too. Uh, ben made that move um, and, and has coped admir- admirably. The What you see in Emmy is a, a European continental style of flamboyancy and skill of, there's lots of flicks and tricks. There's lots of uh, great neat touches, there's, but there's also wonderful vision. Uh, and I'm trying to think of another player who had that sort of vision. In my day, it was certainly Ian Crook who had that wonderful vision and the ability to see something beyond the back four for runners coming on in on blindside runs. And also the, the ability just to beat players, very skillful, very good close control both feet in tight situations he's exceptional um and but driving forward at the defense is is his biggest strength we all know uh, that he 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 could um, improve defensively in in many different areas although he contributes work rate wise very good uh but he, he kind of over elaborates in defensive zones but you've got to judge him going forward and Yes, he's got to be deemed as probably one of the best players that's been in that position. A kind of Paul McVeigh come off the front two, drop in that number 10 position, pick the ball up, turn and run at defenders. He he does look exceptional. And his ability and his trickery um, has been a joy to watch, I must admit. And the way he's linked up with Puki uh, I'll miss that combination going forward. I really will. They... They had a, 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 a mental awareness of where each other was on the pitch all the time. Um, so they, he's got a lot to offer. He, he, he seems as though he can step up. I believe last season in the Premier League he underdelivered, but there was a lot of frustrations, a lot of unique situations to go through with COVID and no fans. Uh, next season, I think we'll see him uh, excel because he, he will be with an exciting team. Daniel is a, a, a brilliant manager and I think he will get the same man management skills from Dean Smith that he has from Daniel which will be good for him he needs to settle in quickly but I agree Connor I think you were talking there about him going to a bigger club and what's the point in being sat on the bench and I totally agree and he would agree if he does that make that move then he needs to be playing every single game and he needs to make room for himself. He needs to prove himself, get in the team, stay in the team, irrespective of what Jack Grealish does. Um, he'll have more options there to play permanently than he would do at a bigger club.
0: OK, well, I think the Wi-Fi's caught up now, so <laughs> I think we can carry on. Um, but, um, Connor, if I come to you with... Have you, have you been surprised the amount of negativity around um, in terms of... I thought that Stuart Weber sort of had a bit more... Uh, loyalty in the bank, shall we say? For, because there's been a lot more negativity about Buendia's sale than I, than I expected. I know it's an emotional thing for fans. When when you sell your best player, it is just pure emotion. It's it's sadness because you're you're never going to get to see that guy in 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 a Norwich shirt again, you know, providing that it all gets confirmed as expected in the next couple of days. But really, you know, Stuart Webber's the man that brought him to the club for 1.5 million. I, I thought there'd be a bit more faith around. Um, that Stuart and Daniel would get it right and that they would be able to replace him and and build from this point onwards. Maybe that's just social media that I'm basing that on too much. And, and often we hear the negative views get shouted that bit louder than 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 people who are sort of content with the situation, just sit in the background and watch things, don't they? But in terms of, um, yeah, that negativity, has that surprised you a little bit?
2: Yeah, a little bit. I, th- I think the, the major difference, certainly when I kind of think about it and we think about the other major sales recently, which is Madison, Godfrey, I, sp- I suppose you probably Chuck Lewis in there as well, uh, Josh Murphy, uh, uh, another one. All four of those came when Norwich City were either in mid table in the championship or had just been relegated. So th- this time it's a little bit different because this is actually a sale with Norwich City on the up as opposed to Norwich City in a position where they are in an in a necessity to sell so to speak so i think maybe it's it's taught people some lessons that actually noru city's model isn't based on uh success or league position but based on circumstance obviously that being covid this time and, and the financial implications of that so i think that's that's particularly relevant but um Yeah, I I think that's maybe it because there was so much positivity. There was probably supporters that had maybe lulled themselves into a a false sense of security that all three of those assets were going to stick around now because of the Premier League attraction, because of that aspect and because they wanted to prove themselves. But... Equally, I think Norwich have to be realistic and also what it does to Norwich City in terms of now what they can spend, they can now elevate their own spending and there's that element as well and 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 that has to be taken in into consideration because last time, and Gossie mentioned it there, there was underperformance from him in the last Premier League season. There was only one goal in a side that got 21 points and I think in the back of everyone's mind, Stuart Webber's included, is that... Actually, that that pain they went through, that criticism they got, the disappointment they felt, everything that unfolded in that last Premier League campaign, particularly after Project Restart. Um, and so I, I think in the end it was probably a trade-off, wasn't it, between do you keep your elite best player and hope that that's enough to keep you up or actually do you sell him? and hope to get four or five maybe in that provide enough quality as a collective um, to keep you in the Premier League. And I think we'll probably see a more workmanlike approach from Norwich, obviously with the fundamentals of Daniel Farker's style of play remaining. Um, And and that's it, really. I I think that's the major difference. But equally, we sat here in June. As I said earlier, the window's not even open. If this was the case, they'd told him on deadline day and this was the squad heading into the Premier League. I would understand the frustrations and the criticism a lot more. But of course, a lot of it is emotional. And of course, supporters have every right to feel that as well, because as a Norwich City fan, you want to see the best players play for Norwich. Um, Unfortunately, the way their model operates is that their best players, if if a financial offer comes in, um, dictates that they move elsewhere. And and that's the way that they operate. And that's a self-sustainable model at this moment, sadly. So um, hopefully it pays off. And hopefully it's a risk that in the end, and, and we probably won't truly know until may or until Norwich City are even mathematically relegated or mathematically um mathematically stay up we won't probably know whether this is a decision that has that's paid off but i think and and i hope when norwich fans uh, and the emotion sort of comes out of it that there's a there's trust put into Stuart Webber and, and the recruitment team who have shown throughout the years. I mean they replaced Angus Gunn with Tim Cruel, Ben Godfrey with Ben Gibson, Jamal Lewis with Demetrius um, Nelson Oliviero with Timu Puki. I mean they, they've shown that they can replace players before, um, and, and hopefully they'll get an opportunity to do it again.
0: Yeah. Um... We've seen this so many times before, obviously, at Norwich. I mean, Gossie, during your time, Chris Sutton, Effanakoku, Rule Fox all obviously were sold and over the years, Darren Eady, Craig Bellamy, Dean Ashton. There's there's a long list of players who have been successful at Norwich, and then when they're sold on, it it hurts for fans, doesn't it? But from Stuart Weber's point of view, he'll have known that this puts that little bit more pressure on him to to sort of get this recruitment period correct. But We all know from, and and obviously you've spoken to Stuart plenty of times in in recent years, that he's a very methodical man. He will very much have a plan in place for what to do with with the money and how to shape the squad, won't he? Yeah,
1: we've got to take in consideration the players' views as well, whether he wants to move. It's no point um, everyone trying trying to bring up something that isn't there because if the player wants to go, there's nothing you can do. And if the club wants to buy him, then both parties are are in a win-win situation. Uh, Emmy wants to develop himself, be a better player with, uh, with a so-called uh, bigger clubs, and he's got his wish. And 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 he's done wonderful for Norwich. We've developed him. He's helped us get to the Premier League. And everyone should just um, shake hands, walk away, and start again and replace. And Connie mentioned one or two there. You know, the Jerome and Olivier replaced by Pookie, and uh, the Cantwell and Deer coming in with Houlin and Madison moving out, there's always going to be uh, the next time, the next player coming in to be the hero. And uh, Jamal Lewis moving on and Giannola's coming in and Skip coming in from tribal and and the list is on this now. And we've always been that club where we we do attract a lot of interest from other football clubs to our players that are performing on our behalf. It, it's obvious that there's going to be interest to our better players. And I think the club's being run incredibly sensible in terms of a financial structure. We've seen in the past where so much money's been spent on players and indeed players' wages, rumor will have it. And it's gone nowhere, and we still end up um, struggling for finances. Mm-hmm. And Dealer and Michael have been an incredible pair of, of owners since 19. 19- 95 96 when they first came in and rescued the football club and still doing so now and it's unfortunate that the football has moved into the world of billionaires and billionaire owners and as stuart would always say um we don't receive a check from the premier league for 170 million pounds tomorrow that's not the case and we need to keep our financial structure in place and our model in place so we don't break the bank and we don't go in the red and um, we are managed sensibly. And I applaud the club massively for doing that. So if it's going to wash its own face, then who do we buy in for that 33 to 38 million pound of Emmys, uh, uh of Emmys money. And that's where we are going to be judged. And we can't, we can only presume that there's going to be maybe two or three players coming on that money. We won't know the quality of the players until the premier league starts then we can start judging it. And as Conor said, we, you know, six games in, eight games in, 12 games in, then we can start judging the players, the new players that have arrived. And I do believe this year there will be new players arrive, whether signed permanently or whether on loan. I think we're going to make a better stab at things now to remain in the Premier League. I think it will be a, a tough challenge naturally given the financial restraints that we're under and we're going through. But we've proven in the past that with the managerial setup, the coaching setup, the development setup of the individual, we can bring out the very best of any player that arrives here at the football club to produce their best. And I think we'll see that again. And there will be heroes next season. There will be wonderful players represent us next season that will probably attract other football clubs too because you are in a bigger shop window uh the questions now are who else will or could go Uh, we seem to be doing good business early on which is nice to see before the euro start um there will be late business done as well so let's see who arrives and we hope that max stays we hope that um uh is is here and so on and so forth uh, because there's only so many people you can lose without a big overall restructure. Um, I think there's a lot of exciting times ahead of Norwich, and as I, uh, I'll repeat, I think they're being very financially sensible in the way they're running in this football club. I applaud them for doing so, and I think we should make full judgment, maybe 12, 15 games into the season, of the, the players that then represent us.
0: I think um, just that little bit of trust in Stuart Webber has has been earned, and that people should just wait till, at the very least, the end of the transfer window, and then yeah. then start to judge and, and make predictions then. Because I think we'll be two or three games into the season by that point. Um, Connor, um, I wrote about this in today's paper, so I won't sort of say too much more on, on this. But um, Campwell and Dowell are probably the two sort of chief candidates as things stand for for filling Emmy's boots. But what, what do you make of those two, particularly with Todd? in the sort of intriguing situation that he's in, in having two years left on his contract.
2: Yeah, it feels probably now that, that Buendia is heading out of the door, obviously, as you mentioned, not fully tied up yet, that that would probably mean the club has to sit down with with Todd. I think if if they sold... Uh, Max, again, I think, uh, as Gossie rightly said, probably question marks and, and, and probably viable that he ends the transfer window elsewhere. But certainly if they sold all three, I think even from a, a management perspective and, and managing expectations, that becomes very difficult to do. So I think they will have to sit down with Todd and, and try and sort something out in terms of his contract. And Stuart Webber said as much, didn't he, as when we went down to Colney and he spoke to Paddy and, and pretty much put it on the record that um, it's either for, for Todd a case of, of sell or renew contract and equally when we talk about Buendia going Todd Campbell scored more goals in the Premier League uh, last time around for Norwich and looked a lot more comfortable in the Premier League so there's that aspect as well maybe that's in the club's thinking and you know it could be a big year from him if he can add what we saw in the second half of the season in terms of his creative output not just the goals but equally what he creates in terms of chances and uh, and gets and drives those assists up then Norwich City are going to have a really good creator on one side and if you can then, and as I mentioned, if you can then collectively strengthen the team around him, there's no reason why, and we mentioned Jack Grealish, there's no reason why he can't grow into that kind of player, that kind of figurehead for Norwich, because actually I think he's he's really improved in the second half of the season. And I think he's got lost a little bit because of how well Buendia has done and obviously his talent. But Todd is becoming a very, very good footballer and I think probably a more rounded footballer than he was when he was in the Premier League last time. And I think that should be quite exciting given how well he did as quite a raw player two years ago. So I think he is probably pivotal for next season. Then Kieran Dowell as well, really exciting in terms of the last 10 games, what we saw from him um, matched Todd's output, didn't he, in terms of goals and physically the way he he is, um, looks like a Premier League player. And we've, we've kind of spoken about him at length and how he drifts in and out of games. But if at the end of the day, he produces a goal, you can kind of forgive that to an extent. So, more to come, I think, from for both of them. And I think that's fair. And Norwich will clearly strengthen that area now. And uh, as we've, I think, reported for for just about a month now, clearly would like a, another creative option in, in a wide area. Um, there's going to be plenty of competition, hopefully plenty of quality in there. But um, of course, we, we have to mention that you are taking out the best player in the team on, on that right-hand side. And that is going to be a hole that, whether that's a like-for-like replacement or, as a, as we've kind of spoken about, they they try and balance the team off and collectively strengthen. It does need to be filled one way or another, and and I'm certain come August we'll have an answer in terms of which direction they're going to go in. But yeah, to answer your question, I see Todd and and, and, and Kieran Dow being really pivotal parts of that the, of that free sort of behind Team Puky.
0: Yeah, the game that sticks in my mind is the, the Forrester Way game, the night that Emmy was unavailable because his partner had given birth the night before and Dow started on the right and it was Lucas Rupp as the number 10. And Dow looked really good. It suited him because he comes in on that left foot. He's got a great left foot. We've seen that even in that sort of final stage of the, the season that it, it did sort of suit him. And and Todd had some games where he was exceptional and, and Daniel Fogg had spoken about the need for more consistency and we were starting to get that. So... Gossie, what's, it, what's your read on, on Todd and Dow? How, how big a part can they play in this season? Dowell hasn't really played in the Premier League before. Todd, in my opinion, looked like he sort of suited the rhythm of the Premier League quite well.
1: I think Kieran Dow showed his, um, his class in, in, in certain games and not in others. I think he drifts out of the game and in the game. Um, I think he get the ball to his feet a lot more. Um, he, he needs to work better in, in terms of the rotation of those those three players, those three attacking players behind Buki. Let's not forget. I mean, he's an exceptional dead ball uh, specialist. He's you he know he's had a striker ball. His work rate's fine. Um, let's just not forget that Lucas Rupp and Skip were defensively minded. The two defensive players in front of them are back four for some time, and it was only when. Um, <clears throat> we saw an advance in rope that we saw the versatility there, and the versatility also in Kenny McLean, who can push forward and do a great job uh, in more advanced positions. That may happen a lot more this year if indeed um, Skip come back and if he's part of our plans for the future, which we all want him to be. He was my Player of the Season. I thought he was exceptional in in his vision and his uh, ability to keep the ball and read the read the play. A defensive role is so important in front of our back two centre halves. He's he's a crucial miss. So let's hope if he does come back, that we can um, that we that he's fit and that we can play him. Let's hope there's things going on b- behind the scenes to get him here. But there's versatility in a couple of players that may that may fill that role of Emmy um, Cantwell. Interesting story with Cantwell. How we bust onto the scene in the Premier League, and my first impression was. Um, young energetic uh, uh, full of commitment and desire and confidence and of course he showed his ability in many a games uh, Newcastle and City and so on that he can he can withstand this pace and this level of play I do agree that he needs to beef up a little bit he needs to be a bit more stronger I think he needs uh, n- not not to, to not to live in the weight room but to beef up fractionally be stronger because you will get physically tested a lot more in the Premier League. And I think he gets in the way sometimes with his enthusiasm to want the ball. He gets in the way of the space of Puki sometimes in that rotation of players of that front three and front four. I think it's exceptional what they've done this year. It looks really, really good. Tick, attack of football in the final third. Lovely to see, but they'll be up against a higher class of defender next year and a more thoughtful defender, a more intelligent defender. So um, there does need to be a step up from all the players into a better, stronger, more powerful league. And they would accept that, that they underperformed the season prior in the Premier League when they got relegated. They underperformed. Now they can go there with a, a more desire, a more hunger to prove people wrong, that they can withstand this pace. They are good players. They can step up to another level and achieve and be more impactful against all the teams that they play. And I'm sure they will. And I think they will. In In regards to that hole that Amy's going to fill, very tricky. I mean, we've yet to see the best of Hernandez, that's for sure. Uh, Max has been in second gear all season. He's cruised the championship and I believe that he'll step up as well in terms of Going forward as a wing back rather than defensively as a defender. So, a lot more we can see from him. And um, let's see who he brings in. The, there's going to be the intriguing arrival of players that we possibly haven't heard of, like the, the Quintillas and the Planchettas that we hadn't heard of, but they arrive and they show their class. And you think, well, they're decent players, they, they can handle this. So, let's just see what surprises we do have in store for us in terms of who's going to fill that, them, them boots. And if you look at the teams that gave us problems last year, I think of three. I think of Watford. I think of Bournemouth. And funny enough, I think of Luton Town, who we struggled against. I say it with a, a sarcastic smile because uh, we were a far better team, although we lost against them twice. But the, most certainly the Bournemouth side that I saw at the end of the season was an exciting one. Um, and I saw Dan Juma as being a really exceptional standout player. And we either get that kind of player in or we develop that kind of player who's that kind of level. And the Watford front three, including Pedro, were, were, they looked a, a Premier League standard as, as well as. So we know what level the individual players are going to jump to or have to jump to to withstand the Premier League force and challenges ahead of them. And I think they will. I, I think they're well-prepared. They're better-minded, defensively-minded. They're better. They're stronger. They've got the right players playing in that. Back four, holding to uh, midfield players. That, that six is really crucial. And they're stronger in that zone. puki is on fire. Let's hope he does well for his country. As comes back, firing on all cylinders, because he will always get you goals. I just can't help think that we need another Pukki up front, just in case. We've yet to see the best of Hugel. Ida's around to offer his strength as well, but inexperienced. So a lot of exciting times ahead, I think. So much to look forward to in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a really fascinating few months to see how things shape up. But uh, Gossi, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for persevering with your with your Wi-Fi. It's been great to yeah, have you on and, you and hopefully we can catch oh, up with you soon.
1: Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Dave. I, I hope you could hear me okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've come through great. <laughs> no worries, just a bit of a delay. All right, thanks, Gossi. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Um, right, uh, Connor, let's um let's just finish off then with a bit of chat about um the BK8 situation and the uh, the new shirt sponsor, the new Principal partner of the club, and uh, it's it's been a real controversial issue, isn't it? This is something that you've been putting uh, putting a lot of time into, and um, we're we're sort of still waiting for for the next stages of it, I suppose, aren't we?
2: Yeah, as we stand them, and, and you know, as, uh, as you mentioned, recording this on on Tuesday afternoon, so uh, quite frankly, anything could happen from here, couldn't it? But uh, yeah, it's um, and and I think you used the word earlier, shock. I think that's that's been the main one, and. Um, just really disappointing it kind of feels like I've been shaking my head for the last 24 hours and, and nothing I've seen yet be it a statement from the, the sponsors themselves be it maybe the answers so far the club have provided that have really made me change my mind and um, I'll tell you when it really struck home to me um, I, I got a message yesterday actually probably an hour or so after it was announced from my sister who I used to go and watch football matches um, with in in, in a supporting capacity. And she's very rarely, I don't want to use the word outrage, but very rarely upset, angered by, by anything really. And, uh, and it was, it was what it was um, quite an angry message that I got in regards to, to the sponsors and the reasons that have been given and, and, and stuff like that. And, I mean, for us, it's difficult because we're we're probably not in in the category where we we never really feel threatened going to a football match in terms of discrimination or not fitting in or anything like that. Um, and if I was a, a female Norwich City fan at the moment, I would feel very disappointed, very hurt, um, probably very upset as well by by this deal and the the lack of due diligence does raise question marks, doesn't it? It's um it's been a very strange chaotic um, mess to be frank uh, the last 24 hours and you know we we, well as I said well over 24 hours now since it got announced and we're we're no clearer in terms of answers to to any sort of pertinent questions that, that need answering really which is quite disappointing
1: welcome the new normal hello
2: and welcome to this series of unfinished with me charles thompson
0: welcome to wade norfolk welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com norwich city podcast from true crime to football politics to folklore for more great podcasts from archant head to audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash archant and then there was one listener it's just dave now uh, connor's had to shoot off uh, just got a, a phone call as you can imagine it's very busy at the moment uh, no paddy at the moment as well he's uh, having a bit of annual leave so um connor's uh, off to deal with the bk8 situation um we're probably not going to say too much more about it because um it sounds like things will probably move on um, one way or another in the next couple of days um but I would probably say at this stage it's best for me to say to keep an eye on our websites pinkin.com edp24.co.uk and the papers of course um to keep abreast of that but just to sort of follow on a little bit from what Connor and me were saying now I I think the from my point of view that the shock has come uh, really from Norwich being involved with a, a company that seemed pretty incompetent and out of date the, for a club like Norwich who are normally so good on these sort of things and community issues and and having values and morals to be aligned with a a company that not just has sexualized images and, and videos and some of them are incredibly poor taste and and very over the top and not the sort of thing that we're used to in in this country but more so that if you search for this company online, you don't find a great deal about them. Um, And these social media profiles don't look particularly professional. And it just, it doesn't look the level of company that you would expect Norwich to be involved, let alone a Premier League club to be involved. And unfortunately they seem to have uh, made a pretty big mistake this week. And and it's made them kind of the butt of jokes with, with national media outlets producing very negative headlines about the club and, Um, lots of Twitter jokes, you know, mocking Norwich for for what has been a poor decision. So we'll have to see how it evolves. It's a complex situation, as I'm sure everybody can appreciate they will have signed co- contracts um for to tear up the deal is going to be a, a very complicated issue if it if it is even possible at all because um you, you may be moving into legal realms then they may have even had all the sh- or a lot of shirts printed already with the uh, with the logo which as they pointed out in the initial press release was going to be a sort of two-tone green to to fit in with Norwich's kit and we haven't even seen the new kit yet, have we? So this is a situation that's got to be dealt with. And um, from my point of view, I, I feel that an apology and an explanation is certainly needed. And I think the, the vast majority of Norwich fans that I've seen talking about this and upset about this feel that's the uh, the basic starting point. And um, clearly a lot of the, the female supporters of the club as well have really made their voices heard on this. And, and rightly so, because... The, the thing that I thought summed it up best was, you know, are, are the Norwich City women's team going to be expected to wear a shirt with that sponsorship on now, now that we've seen these incredibly distasteful videos, which just don't fit what is expected and acceptable in, in our country in 2021 in doesn't seem a, a reasonable thing to ask. And I wouldn't have thought the female players are um, willing to do that. Um, youth, supporters is a little bit different because um, I'm not sure if it is still the case for the following season but it was Lotus I think I'm right in saying wasn't it and um, the other local companies in recent years that have featured on the on the junior kits and things like that so there's a lot to be straightened out here unfortunately it's um, become a pretty negative story and and one that needs to be put to bed and and, and a solution sorted out so that they can start moving forward and and recover from this because um, clearly there are are a lot of important issues on the table. We spent the majority of this podcast discussing Emmy Buendia, the club record sale, and they've got a lot of transfer business to get through this summer. We may well see some movement in that over the next week as well. But for the time being... The whole BK8 saga has not left the club looking in a good light and uh, we all want to see what the next stage of the situation is. But for now, thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to Gossier uh, even though he had a few technological problems there. The Wi-Fi was letting him down at points. It was uh, a bit more like he was in a, uh, the, the other side of the world than uh, the other side of Norwich <laughs> from us. But uh, we persevered and I think uh, the, the audio quality at least held up enough that you could you could hear Gossi's thoughts on the Buendia situation so for now thank you very much for listening to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com norwich city podcast in association with future radio 107.8 fm and we'll catch up with you very soon